Thank you, Libby. Oh, I better just take the hat off, you know. We, we're here in the studio. It is a little bit nippy. And so, you know, someone like me who hasn't got a lot on top, you've got to kind of keep the insulation in for as long as possible. I was just thinking about those uh, gingerbread houses as well. There are going to be hundreds of parents across, across our <laughs> area going, I am going to build the greatest gingerbread house ever. I like like if you're a parent out there, you're anything like me. When we used to go to the beach, me and the girls, and you know, and dad, they'd be like, "Daddy, can you build me a sandcastle? Can we build one together?" I'd be like, "Of course!" And it, 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 as a project, it starts out as me and the girls try, and by the end of it, I'm like, "Stand back from the sandcastle, let the expert in," you know. And we'd be trying to build this massive thing, and they're like, "Yay!" I hope that happens with the gingerbread houses, anyway, eh? It'll be such fun. I, guys, I was all set up to have a bit of a laugh today because last week there was a star here and I wanted to take hold of the star and start singing, you know, oh, star of wonder, star of... But I can't really do that with a, with a, <laughs> with a tree, can you? So anyway... <laughs> Anyway, hey guys, it's great to be here. We're, get, we're at that part of the um, service. We're going to open up the Bible. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to be literally halfway through it uh, at, in Psalm 133 um, today. Um, you know, we've been kind of working our way through uh, a number of the Psalms of Ascent. And um, these Psalms or these songs would have been sung probably traditionally when um, pilgrims from all over Israel would be descending on Jerusalem to worship and to gather as a nation uh, during maybe one of the many festivals like Passover. And these uh, songs would have lyrics in them like this, and some of them we sing now. And uh, you, you may remember think these lyrics like, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. Great, great lyrics, songs that, that would help them and us remember God's faithfulness to, for us to lift our eyes off our situations to him whose help is ready uh, uh, and for us. And then uh, as we go through these Psalms of Ascent and as the people of God near Jerusalem, the, some of the lyrics are changing, um, maybe perhaps to promote uh, some self-reflection, um, to have a bit of a heart and attitude checkup. Uh, if you missed last week, Taryn did a brilliant talk out of, one, uh, out of Psalm 131, where David is reflecting on his own attitude around pride and arrogance and, and kind of laying that down before the worship moment. And so these songs are here to prepare our hearts as we come into a, a time of worship. And... Um, and so, so just to set the scene and a reminder, you know, we've got probably thousands of families on the move descending into Jerusalem. They say that the population of Jerusalem would swell sometimes to a million people. 
You can imagine all of the roads leading up to Jerusalem, just jam-packed with people and people jostling. And then at night, you know, the hundreds of little fires burning along the roads and where families would be catching up and they'd be, you know, doing all the things that we can't do today, like hugging and kissing and dancing and, and, and celebrating and all of that kind of stuff. You know, and, 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 and you know, I was thinking about it like this. It's probably like back in the day when um, people would spend nights uh, out on the street, you know, waiting to get their gig tickets. You know, <laughs> you know that's the kind of th- um, imagery I want to get us into this morning. It would have been so busy. And as we come to Psalm 133, the penultimate Psalm of Ascent, the likelihood is they would have sung this in view of Jerusalem just one more day before arriving. And then they would begin to sing this song. And you can imagine the kids in the sort of pilgrim train. Dad, are we nearly there yet? And you'd be like, yes, it's just round the corner. You said that an hour ago. You know, that kind of stuff going on. And then so into the throng and the activity and the joy and the jostle, we sing this song. And maybe you want to sing it at home. Um, we can't sing it here. And I actually haven't a clue what the tune would be like, but I think it'd be pretty upbeat. So we'll have a go. You sing, I'll read. Are you ready? <laughs> psalm 133. Such a good psalm. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. The context of hundreds of thousands of people. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil being poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. How good and pleasant it is. How lovely it is when we live in real unity together. Um, I think the Hebrew word that is used there for unity is yechad. And, uh, and it implies this living in peace and unity first has to happen with us living in unity and peace with God. And then out of that, God thus producing a unity and a togetherness. So the vertical informs the horizontal. Unity isn't uniformity. Unity is a wonderful celebration of diversity. Being together because we're one with God and in sync with him. And it kind of reminds me, I don't know about you, of like that image of Adam and Eve walking in the cool of the day with God. There's like a, they're they're, they're individuals, but there is a beautiful oneness at work. It's like there's nothing in in, in the middle. There's nothing blocking the relationship. There's a beauty in that oneness. This is what David is trying to get at. This is the kind of unity that commands a blessing. David is affirming something that's so deeply woven into the very fabric of what it means to be human. You know, we're created to live in connection with God and with one another, 
to live in community. You know, Genesis talks about that. It said that God said that it wasn't good for man to be alone. And so he created a partner, he created family, created community. And why? Because we've been made in his image. And God is community. There is perfect unity in the Trinity between Father, Son, and Spirit at work. There's a flow that goes on in the very Godhead. And we are being made in that image. And so David and and the scriptures tell us that actually unity like that is, is our DNA. It's not just in our DNA, it is our DNA. And so brokenness of friendships and relationships is kind of counter DNA. Our DNA is unity. And so when we truly are together, God loves it. He, I just hear him applauding over the people of God when we're in unity. He blesses it. And I just want to say today, maybe you do call yourself a Christian. And, uh, you know, the reality is, I think what we're getting at here is that unity isn't the goal. But pursuing Christ is the goal. And unity is the fruit of Christ at work in us. And working in and through us through the anointing and empowering of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. It's been a crazy year, hasn't it? I mean, COVID, we haven't even heard of COVID last Christmas, or it was just beginning to kind of be on the map, if you like. You know, and uh, I've been thinking about pre-COVID life and and in our culture, and it's just so, you know, and this is probably true even still now, that there's been a huge... emphasis on individuality. And I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with being an individual and unique. That, that shows something of God's kind of fingerprints on our lives. But it seems often that the place and the power of personal preference, the me and the I, have been elevated to such a degree at the expense of together. And that's gutting. A year ago, we had physical freedoms, didn't we? <laughs> we could go anywhere. We could do anything. We could be with just about anybody we wanted to be with. And yet, isolation and loneliness was still rife. Maybe there's another virus already at work that needs to be addressed. And so I've been thinking, and suddenly, you know, with COVID, the together has been removed. You know, the, the opportunity to be with people in so many ways has been removed. And now we've got these restrictions in place. And I don't know about you, but it's put a longing in my heart and my life to be in a new kind of together. You know, I love, love my wife dearly. Um, she's brilliant. And I remember years ago being away from her, you know, for like two and a half, three weeks. You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Isn't that true? Isn't that what's been happening during COVID? Whenever I talk to people, they say, I miss certain people in my life. And I've been reflecting, and I know lots of people are reflecting, that actually maybe, maybe we've not treated those around us in our lives with the real due care and love and appreciation that these relationships are really, really precious. And I believe there is a stirring, a together stirring, a reevaluation of relationships is happening. And I think it should. 
And I think it really should, especially for us in the church, amongst brothers and sisters of the body of Christ. Because look at that scripture. When we get it right, God's blessing comes. I don't know about you, but I want as much of God's blessing operating in and through my life and through us as a church, through catalyst. Wouldn't it be a, a beautiful thing to see an increase? And I, and I just want to say, I think actually unity attracts God's blessing. Now, I'm certainly no scientist and I failed physics higher. Too much talking, a bit lazy, crammed it in, in, in at the end, but it didn't work. Uh, but, you know, um, I remember one of the first times of watching this scientific experiment where, uh, I don't know if it was my teacher or whatever, we got a big iron nail and we just took some bog standard wire and we wrapped it round like hundreds and hundreds of times. And I mean, what is that? It's just wire and iron. And then we plugged it into a battery and something remarkable happened. Suddenly, there was this invisible force at work. This wire had become a magnet, and suddenly steel was being attracted to it. And the stronger the battery that you plugged it into, the stronger the magnetic pull. You know, when we get it right, when our lives are in sync with God and with one another, it seems to be the scriptures are here are telling us there is an increase an increase. There's a drawing and a pulling down of heaven into our lives and into our communities. Wow, I want to get my relationships right. I want Jesus to be at work in and through each and every one of us. I want more love, more forgiveness running in the veins of the wires of the network of our lives and our friendships and our relationships. This blessing it is like, in true, uh, you know, poetic fashion. You know, David could have just read, couldn't he? You know, he could have just written this song, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. And then he could have just skipped straight to, for there the Lord bestows a blessing. But you know, he's a poet. He's a singer. And they love to build the picture, don't they? They love to give us a feel for what the blessing could be. And so what does he say? It is like... It is like precious oil being poured from above down onto the head, down and running down the beard. I grew it especially for this moment. I cultivated it, you know, down the beard and then down onto the body and onto the clothes. Now, this imagery we might not be that familiar with, but the people singing this song would totally understand where David was going. David was wanting them to remember right at the foundations, at the beginning of the formation of the nation of Israel, when Moses had led them out of Egypt, God told Moses to anoint Aaron as a chief priest. And this is what he did. He made up this anointing oil and it was really perfumed. And it wasn't a case of like, I don't know, even in our church, you know, we anoint people with oil, but we just do it with a little bit. You know, just a, there you go. No, no, no. They poured this stuff and it would have been like oozing down, covering them. Aaron would have been probably the nicest smelling guy in the nation, probably for days, maybe weeks, maybe forever. Everywhere he went, it was like, oh, Aaron's been here, you know. It was to signify 
the coming and the blessing of the Holy Spirit upon Aaron. And in Leviticus 9, it says this, now Aaron and Moses went into the tent of meeting. They get access now to meet with God personally. It says, when they came out, they blessed the people and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out of the presence of the Lord and consumed the sacrifice and all the people saw it and they shouted for joy and they fell on their faces. This, this is what David's saying. This is what the blessing looked like, that the power and the presence of God will come. And here people just couldn't do anything but in awe that God was with them. We want to be a people, don't we guys? where we know that God is with us. And we see this, this repeated throughout the Old Testament a whole bunch of different times. When King Solomon finishes the temple, it says then that the priests came out of the holy place and the cloud filled the, filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the glory, the Shekinah glory of the presence of the Lord. And they fell face down. Can you see that? There's a pouring out. Look at the, the language in the song. There's a pouring from above onto the head and down. Heaven is opening. God is coming. It's brilliant. Don't we want an increase of the presence of God in our lives? Ezekiel's vision, exactly the same. That the, He's there in the temple. And again, the presence of God comes. Culminating with Jesus. After, the, after his death and resurrection and his ascension, he gathers his friends and he says to them, now go and wait for me. And actually the language he uses is very similar to the language here. Go and dwell together and wait for, me, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? And then it says in Acts chapter 2, they were all together and they were praying with what? With one heart one heart there's a oneness together again and guess what happens suddenly there is a pouring out a blowing of the wind the fire of God comes and rests upon them I love that imagery the Holy Spirit has then come you know onto the life and to the ministry of Jesus who's the head of the church and now we see the oil moving from the head to the body this is the moment when God's presence touches the very, uh, and it says everybody, everybody, not just one or two, just not just a special guy like Moses or Aaron. Suddenly everybody in the room is experiencing the power of God from the head. And now the oil is touching the body. Oh, wow. That, what does that mean? It means the blessing is this. We all get to have an incredible relationship with Jesus. We all get to be filled with the presence and the power of God. And he doesn't leave it there. Because like a poet, you want to keep emphasizing this stuff. And so in verse 3, it says, and it is like this. It's like the dew of Hermon were now falling on Mount Zion. What is going on there? Well, again, I wasn't that familiar with Israel's geography, but Mount Hermon is the highest mountain. And um, it could be seen on a clear day for hundreds and hundreds of miles. But it was known 
for its green pastures running up the sides. Because every day there was a beautiful heavy dew that nourished the landscape. What's David saying here is this. When we live in unity, you see the fruitfulness and the dew of Mount Hermon will come to you. You see, Mount Zion is another name for Jerusalem. The blessing over there will come to you. See, the two pictures are like this. There's a pouring down, but there's also like a coming across from the north to the south. What is happening over here can happen with us. You see, I think David's inferring something. If we're still feeling really dry and unproductive, he's saying the promise is this. What is happening there can come here, but might be your move. It might be your move. It might be we need to do something. We might need to move towards unity. Maybe there's an area of disunity in our lives. Address it, and the Jew will come. What great, great pictures these are. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the Ephesian church, says this, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient with one another in love. You hear that? Unity does take an effort. We want those kingdom values flowing through the wires of our relationships. So we need to make an effort. There are times we need to do something to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You know, we're walking towards Christmas. I want to ask a question. Are we in unity with everybody we know? Or are we slightly disconnected? Are we out of unity? Are we longing and we see in other people's lives that there is a blessing and a fruitfulness and we feel dry and unproductive? I just ask a question. Is there something we need to do that would then unlock? Unlock. I don't want to be a blockage to a blessing. I don't want ever want that. I don't want to be a blocking to you, Johnny. You know, I don't want that. I don't want to be a blocking to the blessing. We want to live lives that un- unlock the blessings of God. And so let's just remember the context again as we come in to land. They're working, their way, they're moving towards Jerusalem for a moment of worship. And in Matthew 5.24, Jesus is walking towards the same temple with his friends. And he says this, he says, friends, leave your gift or your sacrifice here before the altar and go. First, be reconciled. Be reconciled to your brother and sister and then come and offer your gift. What is Jesus saying? He's saying the best present you can bring to God isn't another sheep or a goat or a pair of doves or whatever it is you bring to No, no, no. The best thing that you can bring is your life reconciled, reconciled to other people. And that will bring you into reconciliation with God. And so to be right with God, we need to be right with one another. And even as I'm saying this, I believe that there are people coming to mind for, for maybe for a few of us that we know we're not right with. When we know what we're not right with. When I'm not right with my wife, Tori, I know it. And it affects my relationship with Jesus. I need to put it right. 
And it's like heaven then reopens. You know, this, this positioning and posture is reflected right at the heart of the Lord's prayer. He says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. What is he saying? What, what was he saying here is, forgive my sins in accordance or in agreement or in proportion to me forgiving others. That is powerful, isn't it? Unity takes effort. Let's be a people that forgive quickly. Because then there is a quickness of forgiving from above. When we bless and release others, there is a blessing and a release upon our lives. It's powerful. When we free others in our own hearts, it unlocks freedom for our own lives. I want to land on this, you know, because these guys are traveling towards Jerusalem for a moment of worship. We as a community are traveling towards Christmas, as Libby has said, to celebrate the Prince of Peace, Shalom. Yeah, the Prince of real unity in that sense. But you know, we're all ascending. We're all ascending in this life. We're all pilgrims to a moment where we meet God face to face. This summer, this summer, uh, a dear friend of many of us at Central went to be with the Lord. And I was sat at home and I just suddenly felt prompted um, to go to the hospital. Uh, I don't know, maybe it was God. It was kind of unusual. I jumped in the car and went there as quickly as I could on the way phone to get permission and access. And I went into the ward where our friend Bill Downey was in his last few moments. And it was really precious. And we got the opportunity to pray. And... Um, I think it's got to be one of the most holy moments of my life to watch him let go and move from this world into eternity. You know, I left that moment and I've been thinking about it more and more. We can't take the material stuff with us. What we take with us is how we've lived. And what we leave is how we've loved. You know, as we move towards Christmas, I believe that David and the psalm here, and I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to say to us today, let's not have any loose ends. Let's not sit at the Christmas dinner table with people around us celebrating and know in our hearts there's, there's a block because we've not forgiven or we've not stretched out and said to somebody, I am sorry. We see here when men and women, when the body of Christ lives together in unity, God commands a blessing. And I know family and life is complicated, but why don't we do that? Why don't we this year in this COVID Christmas where so many restrictions, but let's not let unforgiveness restrict us. Let's push through those restrictions and release one another. And I believe the dew will come and the pouring out of the Spirit will come upon us in a fresh way. It is absolutely pouring outside right now. Here in the studio, we can hear the rain. And so let's pray 
And we want to ask for the rain, the pouring out of God upon us this year. Father, we thank you for the wonderful um, words of David. And we pray and we ask right now, Lord, for your forgiveness to be at work and a fresh blessing to come. Amen.